You know, a, a mother wanted to teach her daughter a moral lesson. And so she gave her young daughter a quarter and a dollar for church, you know, for the offering plate. She told the little girl, put whichever one you want into the collection plate and keep the other one for yourself. When they were leaving church, the mother asked her daughter which amount she had given. Well, said the little girl, I was going to give the dollar, but just before the collection, the preacher said that God loved a cheerful heart. And I know I'd, I knew I'd be a lot more cheerful if I gave the quarter and kept the dollar, so I did. <laughs> now, the mother may not agree with her daughter's reasoning, but at the heart of this matter is this fact. The daughter gave from the way that she believed. My friends, I want to submit that to you today because this is true of all Christians. We give as we believe. What we believe in affects how we give. How deep we believe it, how passionate we believe it, all comes to play. In 1 Chronicles, David led the people to believe in what they were giving to. David believed that God deserved the temple. At first, God did not let him build the temple. He was not allowed because it tells us in 1 Corinthians 28, verses 2 and 3, that David was a man of war and blood. And that was not the type of man that God wanted building the temple. And so God chose Solomon, David's son, to build the the temple. Now, David got the first part of this massive undertaking, right? He got that started. David got the people to rally together. David, the leaders and the people, they gave work materials and they got things moving so that the temple could be built. David gave even of his own personal wealth to the project. He gave, why? He gave because he believed in it. He strongly believed in it. He gave because he had a vision, a compelling vision. And this compelling vision became contagious. And the other leaders saw this vision and they too responded and gave freely. And because of their vision and because of their belief, Israel built a temple to God, a temple that was so beautiful that it shone like a golden sun on top of Mount Zion. The temple testified to the amazing and magnificent glory of God for the next 350 years. They gave and they built because they had a compelling vision, because they believed. It's amazing to consider just a brief history of our church, right? Alamo Heights Methodist Church built its first building in 1910. It was named Alamo Heights because of the hilly terrain 
and was seen as a suburban area, which was kind of like on the outskirts from downtown San Antonio, which was six miles away. The church started with 60 members. And you know what their expenses were that very first year? $385. (laughs) Times have changed. The church grew. And what do you do when your church grows? Well, you build another church. Because it couldn't hold everybody. So in 1924, they built a new church. And then that church was too small. And so they built another church. And they thought, oh, this time we're going to build it bigger. And they built a church in 1945, their third building, which seated 600 people. And you know what happened? The church continued to grow. Now, no surprise, but all this growth, you know what happened with growth? Growth brings problems. Did you know that? It does. Things got to change. You can't stay the same thing and keep doing the same thing because you're, you're growing. You know, everything you do has got to evolve and change with it. And one of the biggest problems, you know what there was? They didn't have enough parking. They had like 40 places that they owned for people to park. And they were worshiping, you know, over 600 folk. I mean, you didn't get to church early to find a seat. You got to church so you didn't have to walk so far. I don't know, maybe they should have just said, Lord, too many blessings. No more blessings. On October 16th, 1991, 700 members turned problems into possibilities because they met to discuss and then vote to move the church. At that time, it was on Broadway, and they moved to move it out like into the boonies once again, into some pasture land. I mean, 410 was up, but, you know, golly. And 95% of the church members voted to move. I hope you realize that's really unbelievable, 95%. Matter of fact, they got so excited, they even made blue T-shirts. And on the blue T-shirts in big white letters, it said, the church on the move. I got to get me one of those church, those shirts. On September 18th, 1994, they celebrated their first worship service on this site. My friends, I stand before you today to say that everything I have seen about this church speaks of a vision, speaks of a desire to serve something bigger than themselves, speaks of a desire to be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ in the world. Now, the reason I preach sermons every year on stewardship and giving is because I believe in the exact same vision that you do. 
And I know that in Jesus Christ, there is no growth without giving. Giving of ourselves, of our time, of our prayers, of our gifts, and yes, of our money. Because it's all tied to discipleship. Matthew 16, 24 through 26, Jesus says, he told his disciples, if anyone wants to become my followers, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life, lose themselves for my sake, only then will they find it. For what will it profit you to gain the world but lose your soul? You know, Flip Wilson, many, many years ago, a comedian, uh, he had a, a character on his, uh, on his show. And uh, the character that he would play was a preacher. And it was a preacher at the What's Happening Now Church. And Flip did a skit. And the skit went something like this. Pastor got up and he said to his congregation, if this church is going to serve God, it's got to get down on its knees and it's got to crawl. And the congregation said, let it crawl, pastor, let it crawl. And then the pastor said, if this church is going to serve God, it's got to get up and it's got to walk. And the congregation said, let it walk, pastor, let it walk. If this church is going to serve God, it's got to get up and it's got to run. Let it run, pastor. Let it run. If this church is going to serve God, then it's going to have to learn to fly. Let it fly, pastor. Let it fly. Now, if this church is going to fly, you're going to have to dig deep into your pockets and learn how to give to God. And the people said, let it crawl, preacher, let it crawl. <laughs> My friends, a church can't grow if it doesn't give. Do you know why? You read in Genesis, right? We're created in the image of God and all of life what discipleship is about is moving towards that image and one of the things we know about God's character is that God gives God gives freely God gives completely God never holds anything back God gives it all and if we want to live into what it means to be a disciple of Jesus the Christ, then we too have to give. I'm not standing up here today going, you know what? The church needs your money, so you need to give. I'm standing up here to say, to tell you, you need to give because you want to become more like God. You have a need for this. And so I want to invite you invite you to make it happen. Now, hopefully, you don't give just to the building project. You don't give just because you like the preacher or you don't give because you don't like the preacher. 
Hopefully you give to God to glorify God and to build up the very kingdom of God. Hopefully you give with a vision that you are a part of something that is grander and bigger and better than anything you could ever do on your own. You give because you're faithful, because you believe in Jesus the Christ. Now, when David wanted to inspire people in their giving, he did what? We read it today. He set an example. He was a leader. And he told them, here is what I am giving. He stood up and he set the example. And so I want to stand before you today and let you know that I tithe. I give 10% of my income to the church. Now, not only do I give 10% to the church, I also give alms. I give to poor people, to people who are in need, to all the other things we have, to any can drive, anything we have going on. I give to that as well. And not only that, we also find ways to give a Jubilee gift every seven years. I mean, these are biblical forms of giving that we have been called to live into. And this is a huge part of what it means for me to exercise my faith. Now, at the same time I tell you this, I want you to hear a lot of love and I want you to hear a lot of grace because this is, wasn't easy for me to start. Now, my sermon on uh, my own personal giving, we're going to save that for another Sunday. It's a good one. It's just a little long. <laughs> now, my wife and I find this very important for us. We give. I mean, y'all, I got three kids, okay? Two of them are right now in college, and another's a senior in high school. All three of them are going to be in college at the same time. All right? I'm going to still tithe. I'm not going to stop. Now, the nice thing was, um, these kids didn't surprise us. I take that back. One of them surprised me. <laughs> However, we knew about this day. And so we started to save and put things away way before we got to this point knowing that we wanted them to have an education. I'm up here before, I'm not bragging, okay? What I really want to be able to say to you is that your leadership is committed and that we don't stand before you as hypocrites. We do stand as sinners. I mean, we're not perfect. My wife can give testimony to that. But we are forgiven and we do follow Jesus Christ, and we do take it seriously. Now, many of you may have gotten this card in the mail. There's some laying around. Um, next Sunday, we're going to put one of these on everybody's uh, seat, okay? AJ, did you get that? Help me remind me, right? And, and what this is, is because here's what always happens. Oh, I forgot it at home. No, no, no forgetting You'll have it. And here's the deal. Let's say you can't start at 10% like you've never done it before. That's hard. I get you. Start where you can. You know, you can't improve on something if you don't do something, right? I can't improve my workout until I start working out. At least that's what my trainer tells me. So, we can't improve our stewardship until we start 
giving. And so what is it? If you prayerfully sit down with your spouse, what can I give? Two, four percent? You know, where's God calling you? Fill it out. Again, there's no judgment here. All right? This is something for you to help you with your discipleship. And so I want to lift this up. You know, 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 through 17, David says something else about the power of belief. In David's prayer, he prayed acknowledging that they were giving to the building of the temple because they believed God would supply. The funds all came from God's hands in the first place, and he acknowledges this. They were using God's own bounty to build God's place of worship. Other passages in the Bible speak of this kind of belief, and it speaks of, okay, what can you give, right? Where can you start? And I want to read quickly from uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly, not under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, God scatters abroad. God gives to the poor. God's righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. You can also remember the blessing that comes in Malachi chapter 3. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, thus says the Lord God Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and fill your lives with so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. So my friends, what do you believe in? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.